0: Hi, I'm Craig Turner, host of the Founders for Good podcast. I've spent years working in the tech for good space, and in that time I've had the privilege of interviewing inspiring impact founders, and I want to share those conversations with you. Why? Because these are the people leading the way when it comes to solving the world's most pressing issues, from climate, to homelessness, to health, to education, and much more. In these conversations, I dig into why these issues exist, possible solutions, how the founder and their business is approaching the problem and their best kept secrets on how to build a for good company. My hope is that this will inspire you to be part of the solution and do your bit in making the world a better place. Thanks for tuning in to the Founders for Good podcast. Samaya Taheri is the founder and CEO of Urban Chain. Whilst working as a research scientist on climate change and fuel poverty, Samaya discovered that the wholesale energy market was dated and broken, with wholesalers inflating prices by up to five times, which was stopping most people moving to renewable energy. To fix this, she founded Urban Chain, building a new peer-to-peer marketplace which was totally separate to the wholesale market. Here, energy generators can sell directly to consumers, cutting out the middle party so prices are fair for everyone. Their clever tech helps buying and selling renewable energy to be as efficient and sustainable as possible by matching parties based on their specific needs and location. And this is just the beginning as Samaya plans to expand her business into batteries, EV and smart chips. So if you're interested in renewable energy and how the energy market works, this is a must listen. Hey, Samaya, thanks for coming on the show. How are you?
1: I'm good. Hello. Hello, Craig. Uh, great and excited uh, to be here and speaking with everybody regarding energy market.
0: Perfect. Yeah. And I was going to say, like today, we're going to be chatting to you about urban chain, your business, as well as uh, as well as building a peer to peer renewable energy market. Um, But first, I always like to dig in and learn a bit more about the guests. Um, So I was going to ask if you could just share a little bit about your background, like what motivates you and and I guess some of the key moments that have led you to founding a business in the renewable energy space
1: definitely so i was a research scientist at the university of manchester um and at that time i was part of the uh, project regarding climate uh, change and also fuel poverty uh, in in it, those are like 2015 2016 um and i was very quite um into data and seeing how how quite cost of energy is turning uh, quite like uh, People's life upside down, uh, either they can't, um, have a heated home or they are struggling in other aspects of life. And also I was looking at the climate change by saying, okay, we have been supporting these renewable energies for long, um, which was around, um, I mean, the first legislation came 2001 around that, the one that I know. And then I was like, okay, why these renewables haven't, or community energy powers haven't solved the issue, people's issues bill? Which was quite like interesting for me because renewable at the time that I was with, uh, again, 2015, 2016, the report was showing the renewable is selling power for four, four pence, 4.5 pence per kilowatt hour. And then a consumer, demand customer is, uh, is receiving power for 20 pence. And above. And I was like, okay, five, five times more. What, 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 what is making that five times more? And I was looking at the, at this point. So that was, that was the point I was like, okay, there is something wrong here. And then I, 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 I looked at the structure of the energy market, um, in terms of like how it works. Interesting, this, something that people maybe less know is that energy market has two layers, physics of energy, and finance of energy. We have been very, very great in supporting physics of energy and the installation of renewable assets in terms of like uh, looking at the grid and uh, I mean, making making questions about that. Long way to go, but uh, we were quite um, um, aware of that. But nobody or less people have looked at the tail side of energy and how the new... Um, how the new uh, quite structure um, or how the new quite renewable assets should be uh, positioned in the retail energy market whereby consumers can buy cheap power. And renewable become the mainstream market, so that was that was the kind of uh, my my light bulb moment when I thought, okay, we have now lots of renewable assets around us, even uh, um for like around, around in, for our neighbor, in our city, all of that, but interestingly, all of us are receiving power from wholesale market, and uh, that that uh, monopoly of the market is causing lots of price issues, which uh, it came as a surprise to me. So my intention uh, at that point, that was a light bulb moment, which was saying, OK, there's quite like centralized and linear process in the retail market, which, I need, which we need to change. And then we, we looked at the opportunity to make it peer-to-peer. Moving uh, turning centralized retail market to to a decentralized retail market when many generators can exchange power with many consumers um, at the same time and receive and uh, quite receive uh, the benefit that they want uh, with with a much more streamlined um model i would say and that was the kind of like at the time it, that was came as 2016. Uh, as a, as the first uh, scratch of the structure, then, uh, I met my commercial officer there and he approved like say okay this is not and, and as I said I was a research scientist so he was like no this is not a com- uh, an academic thing this is something that people can uh, relate to and should be uh, quite commercialized so he invited me to uh, he, He's pushed me towards like a researcher into entrepreneur programs into kind of like becoming and uh, setting up the business because he, he used to have business and then uh, both of us and then I also we, uh, we also need our uh, information officer Aisha uh, the. Uh, as through through a colleague in the university, uh, Aisha was a PhD student at the time, so we we kind of like headhunter her, and then when she finished her PhD, and then we we also left our research position. My commercial officer left his lecture uh, position, and then we came out and set up the company in twenty
0: seventeen. So. Um... Super super interesting. I guess quite a lot to unpack there. Um, and one of my questions was going to be about how the energy market works, which you answered. In terms of this wholesale market, am I right in thinking if you really simplify it back, what you basically have is just companies in the middle that are taking energy from a lot of different generators and providers, packaging it up and reselling it onwards, and they're just putting a huge markup on it for consumers to buy it. That, that's where the issue is with the price inflation.
1: Yeah, lots of, lots of things. There's a kind of like the concept of risk has been over quite cautiously uh, managed uh, by, by the retailer. Maybe, maybe thinking about the financial um, impact of not being cautious or not being risk averse. But have yeah, exactly, you're right. So what happens here is that they get, uh, they, they come and uh, ask the generator for selling power to them. And the, the price offered is through the, Price in the wholesale market at the time of signing the contract. The contract is usually power purchase agreement or similar type of contract, which you kind of like either get fixed power, fixed price for your power and stuff as you generate, or in for big, big versions, there is more, much more complicated complicated uh, contracts. But that contract is set by the price expectation in the wholesale market. Well, there there is a quite like a number of reasons for that. One of the reasons is okay. For example, if you think um if you think a generator, uh, wants uh wants to see the wants to have a let's say um, uh sorry uh, if if a solar for example wants to generate it's generating now starting from now then launch time is going up and then going down during weekend time. But if you are a supplier to a household, mm-hmm. the household doesn't need energy during. Uh, time. So as a result of that, there's a kind of mismatch of shapes, which they couldn't see or they couldn't manage. On the other side, wind, well, whether relevant and people have issues with it, all of those things are quite like making, making the quite, um, supplier thinking, uh, thinking about either reduce their risk by simplifying the process or they needed to upgrade their technical. Uh, capacity or quite like uh, technical, quite, I would say, infrastructure. And unfortunately, energy sector hasn't been keeping up with technology. Interestingly, mm-hmm. uh, if, if the whole, the whole market is running on flat files, CSV files, maybe DB, maybe databases, but very little, uh, quite, um, movement to be honest recently people talk about oh ai behavior stuff like that but if i say would they use it maybe a little here and there but not as in in a mass in a mass performance and as a result of that what happens here they decided to simplify the process when they simplify the process, then they look at your consumption not on half-hourly basis. They look at it as peak hour, off-peak hour, just two numbers, flat files, flat shape, something like that. They also look at the generation as a flat shape. Then they are so there's kind a huge number of risks on top of that generation portfolio, and therefore uh, the the price, even the price on the wholesale market is is quite like uh, quite factored. <laughs> to come to a price that mm-hmm. that is considering premium risk in that sense, and that's kind of like something that they do, they sell that. But definitely, consumer also come come at the at the, at the other time. Then they sell they don't want to expose they don't want to be exposed to the price fluctuation. So they sell it at the time that they sign a contract to the market, and then consumer come in, they buy it back. They buy it back and this trading kind of like from buying, selling from the wholesale market makes basically either expose consumers to high bills, like what happened in the last year, previous year and what we have seen or 2018. Or it's basically like during COVID make renewable not viable financially in terms of like payments, mm-hmm. because the wholesale market was very low and the prices were like 10 pounds or one pence per kilo, whatever for. Asset, and then you were like, the whole asset, like uh, opex and capex, is is around 4.55. If you want to give me one, I'm already in loss. So it's not attractive to investors. So that's the kind of like something that is happening. This is a broken cycle from one cycle. Um, kind of like we have renewables supporting renewables. We want to support renewables, but from the other side, because we're linking that to the wholesale market, um, things don't work financially. That's, that's what we. Well, that's exactly what what was happening. Yes. <clears throat> Thank
0: you for explaining that. Yeah, and it's, it sounds. It's surprising to hear it's still that outdated in terms of how they're, they're calculating the prices. Um, I guess to paint a picture a little bit of like where we are in the UK right now versus like how, and how far away we are from moving to renewables. Like if we take the average um, energy consumer in the UK, if that's a household or a business, like typically where is that energy coming from? Is that is that a renewable or a non-renewable energy source most likely?
1: Well, when it's when it's when it's kind of like, uh, and typically with conventional supplier, the the whole volume has sold to the wholesale market and bought back. So it's just a green certificate attached to the energy bought from the wholesale market, and it's in an aggregated volume. So uh, that's why they say the mix of energy in the in the UK is this, uh, because it doesn't mean that it's matched with the consumer because they are not shaping on, on like when you are using. They are looking at, okay, today, for example, we needed 100 gigawatt hour and from that 100 gigawatt hour consumption, we have covered 70% with wind or 70% with solar or 50% with solar, 20% with wind, and the mix and match of like different generators. But it doesn't mean that they are being matched, it doesn't mean that. So all of them have sold as a bulk to the wholesale market and mm-hmm. both as a bulk from the wholesale market. So that's kind of, the, and then the green certificates, again, exchanged in bulk with with, with quite like different parties. So uh, you, you so the quite like point of, um, yes, where your energy is coming from, uh, it's wholesale market, mix of renewable and yes.
0: Got it. And, and it I probably links nicely to my next question, which was, um, like obviously, the term green gets thrown around a lot in every industry and every type of product. Um, and green energy is definitely out there at the moment. I think I've heard you talk before about like true green energy. Like you, you talking there about like the, you know, packaging up of lots of different energy sources and, and selling it on to consumers. And if it, you know, getting these green certifications, in your opinion, like how would you define like true green energy?
1: Yeah, so we, we, we shape you, we shape consumers. So for example, the case of that you said, for example, a, a, a single household, we don't look at people in bulk, we shape them in a sense. Based on their shape, we understand their shape on a half hourly basis, The time, I mean, things change, weekend is different, weekdays are different. If you are working or uh, quite like have children, definitely different kind of like pattern, we understand your shape. And based on that shape, we cherry pick from different generators to contribute to your shape. So during daytime, yes, if you have solar, solar, if it's wind, uh, during evening, it's wind, it's not solar, definitely. So it's like, and it can, it's not like that it's the whole solar farm is going to contribute to a household. The whole solar farm is too big for a household. So what we do, we quite like a percentage of that saying, 0.1% of a five megawatt solar is enough for this household, Plus, 0.05% of uh, quite like a wind generator is enough for this household for evening. Or maybe a little, very little, quite batteries or, or quite biomass or anything like that for other nighttime, nighttime um, consumption. We, we understand the shape and then we cherry pick from different generators. And then the exchange happens in real time. It's a, it's a true match that we have this alternative market. By the way, we are not bringing renew, uh, we are not trading renewable to the wholesale market to exchange to customer. It's the alternative market decoupled from the wholesale market, all of them coming together to be matched with different shapes of the list of consumers that we have. And they get with many, basically each generator with many consumer and each consumer receives power from many generators. And from that, a half, by half hourly, half hourly quite match, then we make it like true green uh, position. That means that, okay, you know, and you can trace the volume that you consumed from where and the, so the allocation of certificates, we never we never quite like say, okay, we have, uh, for example, exchanged, we needed a CHP to generate. So CHP generated with consumer. And then we added like a, a spare, a spare green certificate to it. No, we didn't. We just say it's a true energy. So you, for example, to this, this, this month, you had from for your shape, you had 75%, 79% from solar, wind, hydro, deep green, what they call it. And the, the kind of like the rest was coming from. Uh, carbon-free, like CHP, like, uh, for example. Uh, Yeah, nuclear, I mean, that's something that we can think about or other things, type of AD, something. So that's kind of like that mix and and match is there. And so quite like we don't believe. uh, hmm.
0: Yeah, no, super, super smart. And my last question before we talk about urban chain is... Um, I guess, like, what are the changes do we need to see within the industry, within the space to help us get everyone to using renewable energy? Like, is that legislation? Is it better infrastructure? Sounds like some tech (laughs) needs to be introduced. Um, Fixing (laughs) the pricing. Uh, What, what, yeah, what things?
1: Yes. Uh, Definitely very good question. Lots to be, lots to be happened, to be honest. But Mm -hmm. I would say um, training people about how, how, how people, how market should be is one thing. Interestingly, energy market uh, up to now has an attractive talent has an attracted talents to itself. Interestingly, so if you if you for example go to a graduate say would you like to go to a, an energy market as a carrier they're like no what is it uh, like they, they wouldn't say that. So no, no graduate is interested in that. And then, uh, kind of like attracting talents first. So you, you, you train the future of energy players, basically, energy market players. That's one. Then uh, the existing infrastructure. Well, without, without a proper network to enable, uh, renewable installation, we can't, we can't have any renewable to kind of like exchange with anybody. Then it's about um, uh, the infrastructure that we have. Uh, quite, um, what I'm trying to say is like the industry infrastructure uh, that we have. They are very outdated, that they need to be upgraded. I mean, some some movement about digitalization of energy in data or something happened, but uh, still infrastructure is not in place. I mean what well, the infrastructure um, um, i mean the infrastructure with network operators the infrastructure with with regulator so for example, let's say network operators when they publish their rates for for the charge of network, they publish it in a very quite like a traditional excel sheet which you cannot read it or you need need sort of uh, there is no for example if you talk to them, there is no website that you can tap into to get those, not website, I mean, saying you can download the file, but there's no kind of like table on the website that you can tap into and copy paste from there. You should have downloaded that table. And things like that is turning, is turning something quite, um, digitalization, I would say digitalization, um, I mean, network, uh, quite capacity, um, kind of retail market reform. Um, one thing about regulation uh, very much, we have been very much isolated. We had had a quite like isolated view to balancing and settlement of, um, in terms of regulation, meaning that, for example, um, uh, for example, Ofgem or Alexon are looking at, uh, sub per supplier per supplier, uh, balancing statement, meaning that, okay, for example, I'm as a supplier have this much consumption, this much generation, um, at that point, they put a boundary around me and they say, okay, whether you have excess capacity or deficit capacity with another supply, the same. But if they, if they look at kind of like the joint uh, position of both, they are balanced, for example. So in that, that kind of like approaches, I would say also regulatory documents. (laughs) So a, a lot to happen, to be honest, but I would say UK is much far ahead of everybody else. May I say that? Yeah, this is, this is true.
0: Oh, it's, it's nice to hear we're ahead of something <laughs> for a change.
1: <laughs> no, we are. We are. I mean, in, t- in the term um, of change of changes, uh, definitely other other markets look at the UK reaction to to different things, and then they copy that. To be honest, it's, that's that's the true thing.
0: No, and and that was like a really helpful view of how it all works. Because I've got to be honest, my, my knowledge of the space is. is- non-existent so i started researching for this episode and, and then that's out paint like a much clearer picture so i um, probably a really good tee up actually to have you explain some more like w- what is urban chain how are you approaching this problem what what do you do
1: yeah so urban chain is is about uh exactly bro- the broken cycle that i mentioned earlier is is about solving that broken cycle and make renewable the mainstream market and green energy affordable for all that's, that's the statement we have. What we are doing, um, we decouple renewal from the wholesale market, create alternative market for renewables to exchange directly with end user. In this alternative market, the price exchange, um, I mean, earlier I explained how we do the exchange in terms of volumes. But in terms of price is the agreement between end user and generator not the wholesale market. So price fluctuation in the wholesale market is not defining the price of generated to be sold. And there is a quite uh, price affordability for consumers, cap price affordability for consumer in the peer-to-peer market, and floor price viability for renewable generators so definitely price never goes below something that not making a renewable viable financially and not making not going above something that making energy not affordable what we believe we believe energy is not a luxury is a, is is a necessity and we must have access to it OK, so as a result of that, what has happened as a result of what we are doing in during, for example, uh, market turbulence last month and the months uh, last year and the year before, um, we have seen the customers paying like, say, 800 pounds per megawatt hour or 80 pence per kilowatt hour for their assets, for, for their energy. Uh, but our consumers paid 25 pence per kilowatt hour maximum. So quite like that cap price is there, not being exposed to the huge amount of, uh, uh, change. At the same time, when the price is down now, as we speak, to be honest, interestingly, consumer doesn't see that price coming down, uh, because, um, usually there's a quite like loss, that loss of, um, hedging the generator with the high price for supply here. Yeah? So that's why they want to, uh what 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 is the matter It's kind of like they want to recover that loss, and therefore consumer needs to pay the same price as the generator was 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 quite like signed off so in that sense, what happens then is that if uh, if the price down, what happening? We say, okay, generator has contributed to the price affordability for consumer. Consumer is supporting generator with putting the floor price for generator to ca- to cover the capex and opex of that generator for long. And that therefore, fin- uh, renewable is not exposed to the price down, consumer is 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 receiving green power affordable mainstream market renewable receive better finance. Financially viable, private investment attractive, selling to end user directly, um, very much lower risk uh, compared to imbalance, no imbalance exposure. All of those things that they make a lot of sense for generators and consumers.
0: A little break from the show. If you're listening and thinking, I'd love to work for a company like this, the good news is you can. Go and visit www.jobsforgood.io where they only have four good companies on their platform, ranging from social justice to food waste to climate change and much more. You can filter jobs by impact area, preferred way of working, skill sets and find the perfect company and position for you. So if you do one thing today, check out www.jobsforgood.io. Now back to the podcast. Oh, you make, you make it sound so so obvious and, and simple, but i'm I'm sure it's been been challenging to get to the point that you are and I guess what I'm quite interested to learn about is like the the decoupling from the market, like creating this alternate market for people to use. How easy or hard has that been in terms of like educating the market, getting people to shift away from what they've been used to in the wholesale market to using this alternate market that you've created?
1: Yeah, it has taken us about six to seven years <laughs> to come to this point. <laughs> yeah, so sure. it wasn't uh, kind of, like, as you said, <laughs> simple process here. Uh, we started 2016, 2016 uh, kind of like the first structure when it was here. 2015 is the first structure developed and then 2016 started talking to the market. And uh, interestingly, the first point of contact was Offgem uh, to to share what we are doing. and uh, And then we started looking at and speaking to other players, stakeholders like network, like um, um, regulatory, all of those things. Some people believed us, some people didn't believe us in, initially. But interestingly, Ofgem was very keen to hear more about us because i think that was the time that things needed to change at the same time uh, innovate uk uh, was very keen to disrupt the some some of the sectors here and uh, support them to come uh, to come with the n- new ideas and that's quite like financial support of innovate uk uh, made us um, quite like working on this, um, what we say, and develop the technical infrastructure and business models that we require for this to happen. And Ofgem so supporting with the regulatory uh, documents and also regulatory required advice, so we could again work closely with Ofgem to make, make what we are doing viable in the current regulatory environment. So those two things made us investable as we speak. And the dream come true basically after six years, but it was real six years hard work. But what we have, what we have developed when we decoupled, we only decoupled renewable. The first thing we needed to handle was the shapes, consumption shapes, generation shapes. Because if we don't manage the shape, meaning that we are exposed to the, uh, quite like mismatch and all of those things. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. Then it comes to, uh, then prices. I mean, how the price is set. Should we, should we receive the price from the wholesale market? No, or you should kind of how, how the auction between consumer generator works. How should we be more competitive to the wholesale market? So why not generator going to the wholesale market if the price high there? How can we be there? Or consumer, why not come? Why, why should come to us when the price in the wholesale market is down? So that type of questions. Then the regulator, the, the, the quite, um, um Kind of our, our contracts and our, the wording of our contracts and all of that. So all of those things. And then the peer to peer one between these two peer to peer exchange and then billing. And then we didn't want to be like conventional supplier having a whole building to check bills. We don't want that. We want something to be much more automated and, and much more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. So we, we invested a lot on technology. We talked a lot to the To the industry, we learned a lot from the industry, and then replicated to the in the technology development, bit by bit. We designed this kind of like platform or peer to peer market. And interestingly, one another thing that I think I forgot to mention: this peer to peer market is not just one market for everybody. It's a market per per volume per per quite like client. So, for example, a local authority has their own market, local generation, local consumption, exchanging together. Let's say farmers have their own market local uh, i mean farmers generation farmers farmers' consumption housing groups have their own market or people who have different like say somebody like let's assume one of those food chains they have different assets consumption assets and generation uh, consumptions around if you put solar on their roofs all over the country. Right Some of them might use the, that solar generation in behind the meter very quickly, some of them have excess capacity, so they can sell their own power to themselves, so that type of things um came as like okay, creating multiple small markets for different clients, creating those funds and then managing the their quite like imbalanced position through uh, the another tier and so on and so forth. so all of those things came out of the to be honest, trial and errors and testings that we did um, till like um, 2021. And then we came 2021 to the market. And uh, again, despite of all those trainings and all those kind of like things, again, when we came to the actual, let's say, um, let's start with two gigawatt hour, very small consumption and make it happen The amount of learning that came out of it uh, was quite significant. And then we needed to propose a change in the industry. And then after that, so we stopped in April 2021. Then we go for October 2021 with 17 gigawatt hour. Then market turbulence happened. And interestingly, uh, everybody went to administration. And our strategy was to stay as a technology partner. The other side, there should be a licensed supplier working with us. And the licensed suppliers working with us went to administration. So that kind again stopping peer to peer. And then we learned a lot from that quite like one year. And then from July 2022, we started again with volume. So as we speak, we have 110 gigawatt hour volume. We have about more than 12 hours of volume in the pipeline. Because as you said, it's like resonate with people that the market should be like this. I shouldn't be exposed to the price fluctuation. I should buy power from my neighbor. I should buy power from locality. It should be great. So. That's kind of like came as like, okay, makes sense. Let's let's go ahead.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and um I had a question about the the locality piece actually, because I, I saw it on the website and um, you just brought it up there. Is there a specific benefit to buying loc- like energy locally? Like is, is it to do with like the way that energy is stored and the way it's transferred that actually if it's if it's locally, that also helps with a from a price perspective? Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm, that a very good question. Yes. Uh, so when you buy energy locally, you are reducing the losses of that energy. So if, uh, loss, uh, the energy comes to you with with. So if if the energy from the place you are in goes to, let's assume we, we are in we are in northwest. If from northwest goes to let's say northeast, twenty five percent of that energy gone due to the transmit uh, the All network right. network loss or network. Quite like it's not a yeah, transportation of that energy is causing that, is causing that loss. So the more you look on the local level, you more, the more you are consuming and generating at the local level and the shapes are matched. The other thing is that people think again, aggregated thing saying, okay, for example, I have this in this locality. I have 10 gigawatt hour need. Let's say we have thousands of house, households and It comes to five gigawatt hour, quite like volume that I need. And then they think about, okay, let's install five gigawatt hour solar. But that doesn't work. That doesn't work because that household had different needs than that five gigawatt solar and the shapes don't match. And then the network curtain, curtail quite like situation came in because they are looking at, okay, uh, what's the network capacity? This, this households are not going to use the whole volume in July because definitely it's going to be huge. And then uh, it's not matched with the volume. And then I need to send quite other general, other volumes. Network think about, okay, I need to send energy from wholesale market to this environment to keep the network working and keep the light on, lights on. And then it comes by saying, okay, this is too risky for me. I don't let you to install five gigawatt hour solar. I let you to install, for example, one gigawatt hour solar. And then people are like, oh, okay, so I should. So the mix and match of those um, and and understanding different locality needs. And then also managing the risks. Because who, who is going to manage those with, We have we had a, we had a study saying, okay, if you install batteries on every home and then think about okay, five gigawatt solar, and then Store it in the in in those say, in, in those in those uh, batteries. Let's uh, uh, I mean households usually are not don't have that much time to to kind of like play with those batteries or anything like that to on. So let's assume they they didn't care and they didn't respond the time that they needed to release their battery or discharge their battery for the energy need of the neighbor. Then who is going to be responsible? Is it going to be the electricity operator? Or Is it going to be the household, mm-hmm. or is it going to be, and then if if the household doesn't do that or if if, for example, from that thousand households that we assumed two hundred of them don't respond properly, and when they don't respond properly, blackout happens, then who is responsible? Is it network operator but network operator has has let us to put batteries to manage that solar. But we didn't respond it. So all of us are quite like need needs to be involved. There's a there's a solution to be to make this automated. But would again, the question of like would household give you enough data for the other side to automate the process for you? Again, all those questions and all those changes to be honest. That the other thing can be we can design systems which they don't basically get data from households. They are automated systems, but they look like black box points, which they process data and they automate the battery or automate kind of like the systems in locality, I would say not just battery systems in locality, like CHP telling CHP when to run or type thing. You can do that, but at the same time, um, they are not sharing your data to anybody else. So you have the quite... Proof. But would household believe you? That's a new technology again for you. <laughs> so all of those questions come into to change. So what I'm saying, I'm saying all of us have a part to to play.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's it's fascinating. Like I I never. It doesn't surprise me, but I'd never really just thought about the huge complexities and layers involved um, with this. Um, and it sounds like Urban Chain has done a huge amount in solving a lot of these problems and like modernising how people think about renewable energy consumption generation. Um, can you give an idea of like Urban Chain today in terms of like size? Um, like I, d- I don't know what kind of success metrics you look at or measure measure success by, but um, if that's um, customers, energy managed, yeah, what does that look like?
1: Okay, we are a team of 10 now with six open positions out there, uh, to be honest. Everybody wants to apply, please. (laughs) Um, uh, And we are recruiting for technical sales, account management, uh, and we are looking for more in shortly. So it's like uh, growing in a sense. What is happening now is um, we have now 110 gigawatt hour contracts and our exchange, which is exchanging power. The customers we have, housing, housing associations, local authorities, manufacturing companies, um, um, any type of many offices or quite like um, quite food processing companies, um, lots of kind of schools. And that's kind of like that type of schools are part of our portfolio. Households, but households as part of housing associations, and, um, and these are kind of like the type of customers we have on the generation side. We have wind, solar, CHP, AD, um, kind of anything that you can hydro, um, biomass, or anything that you can think of. Different generators to mix and match for different shapes. Um, and uh, our imbalance position is zero. Uh, and uh, this is this is compared to the imbalance position of other suppliers for twenty percent to forty percent. So we are zero percent imbalance position. Um, uh, in terms of um in terms of uh, um our revenue at the moment our this year revenue is 2.6 uh, sorry turnover is 2.6 million pounds and next year revenue would be around 10 and uh, we are we have uh, around 1 terawatt to 3 terawatt hour in the pipeline to be realized from different uh, different customers that we have and the majority of the customers that we have they want to become prosumer the new form of prosumer up to now prosumer means mm-hmm. producer and consumer of power when, when up to now, everybody who had, for example, solar on their roofs, they called themselves consumer because they could consume inside the house. But the reality is, many of us maybe not have the opportunity to install solar on our roofs, or have batteries or anything like that. Specifically, those who rent or those who are fast north face or anything like that. So this is the situation we are in. But what we can do, we can say, okay, I'm installing solar on my neighbor's house. And I'm sharing that solar between myself and my neighbor. And that therefore I'm, I'm a consumer or I'm, I'm, or I'm, or I'm owning a percent. Some, some companies do that, to be honest. I, do, I don't know whether I can mention them, but some companies, they do crowdfunding for the community assets. And every, every person who is basically contributing to that funding is going to own a little bit of that asset. So that little bit of asset can be generating an exchange to yourself. So you don't need to have asset on your own property. You can have somewhere, in, everywhere in the country, or even even let's say international companies, they can have solar in Spain, their their, their offices in London, getting through Interconnectors energy from their solar in Spain. That's, that's kind of like how, how it's going to be. So people, uh, the type of people specifically, approaching us are the ones that are, want to be prosumer. They say, match myself with my own generation. I don't want to pay commodity. I just pay for non commodity like network charge, levy charge is fine, but it's affordable. So that kind of something that is kind of, so we are growing in that sense. And the, the the challenge for us is to make sure that the system we have is responding to the growth that we have. So sometimes we need to make sure that, I mean, we should put some halts, to be honest, in some points in our growth because we want to make sure that the system is working, the people are in the same pitch.
0: Yeah, yeah, you've got to make sure it's scalable. Um, and I guess coming back to the kind of growth opportunity for you, you mentioned obviously the consumer space, which is an obvious one. What are you next most excited about? Like, is it you know if we crack the consumer kind of household market in the UK, that would be a huge, um, huge market for us. Or so is it looking outside the UK? Like, where do you see yourself going next?
1: Yeah, so uh, adding EVs and batteries is one of the things that we want to add. So what, what is happening, we are making EVs and batteries proactive members of the peer-to-peer market. We don't believe the current uh, network services are making batteries viable. Uh, we believe they, they deserve better. So what we do, we make them, we, we offer them a much better Rate in that sense, by adding EVs and batteries, and uh, adding balancing and settlement to the peer-to-peer market, I mentioned about we create each market for each co- customer. We want to kind of like create this this second layer on top. Is is looking at deficit and surplus between the markets, and then the batteries are responding to those deficit and surpluses, and uh, yeah. and then uh, also EVs are responding to the deficit. It's like I mean, yes, there is a kind of like this theory of uh, EVs to act as as the dynamic storage of cities, but never been realized. Lots to lots to do, but it can be re- re- realized. That's kind of something. This is the short-term plan. But what we see us to be, we see our system to turn to an intelligent chip. And that intelligent chip will be inserted to people's smart, people's houses' smart meters. And from smart meters, you are downloading energy from the nearest source of power. Or the most efficient way, efficient source of power, and then uh, you you pay like like a communication industry because there's no price fluctuation here, here anymore. You just uh, basically pay for the quiet infrastructure, and uh, and then uh, either you paying monthly, uh, like again affordable like like internet that we have, or um, or pay as you go, but again it's affordable. So that's kind of something that we that we believe to be
0: oh very cool i mean the 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 like possibilities uh, it's incredible to hear them and and like all the different directions you can take this in um I could ask loads more questions i'm gonna stop there <laughs> and um just wanted to come back to yourself like, tomorrow a little bit and and your personal journey because like you said earlier you know you, you very much came from like an academic research background I think you said it was the chief commercial officer that was kind of pushing you down the entrepreneur route um so my question is like, how, how have you found that transition from you know, academia to becoming CEO and founder of a startup yeah. um like what areas were yeah. really natural that you've like taken as as like uh, just naturally flourished as the CEO and what, which areas have you had to work on a little bit
1: yeah, uh, a lot. I needed to work on myself. Uh, <laughs> the bad thing is my people's skills. <laughs> so uh, kind of like a lot to be a lot to be learned. Uh, I mean, things when you when you become uh, when you become an entrepreneur, you're you're looking at a huge amount of risk. Specifically, if you're looking at Quite a high growth uh, business rather than just uh, quite maybe service company or a service um, i mean that type of very consultancy based companies they have much less risk than something that is going to be dealing with consumers and dealing with payments so um, a huge amount of learning here and for, for many for many factors like in terms of economics in terms of um, leadership. Uh, people's, I mean, consumer management, kind of like customer management in terms of um, board management. That was kind of like something that I needed to work a lot. In terms of like uh, financial structure um, and uh, quite like company structure. In terms of like how you are designing this techno kind of like technology roadmap and how you are quite, um, need to be technology agnostic and all of that thing. So I would say what helped me in academics was the, the learning of how to do research and how to, to find new ideas. Uh, that's kind of like was the key point transferable skills that I received and and uh and uh, quite like um appetite to learn that's something that I achieved from the academic quite environment academics environment, and then I took it to where I am now, and I used it in this uh, space and that helped me a lot uh, in the in the kind of thing the other thing I would say um uh, to be true to yourself in the journey was coming from academics too because we were like researchers, so we needed to. Re- quite like sight people, sight people in different, quite like loans or something. So to be true to yourself, what has been done, what has, should be done, and what can be done, is that was also another another point that came out of academia. But in terms of entrepreneurship, yes, I learned from uh, my commercial officer a lot. Uh, uh, and also people that le- that joined later, the board, the, the learning, that kind of mistakes you make. And it, it's not about not making mistakes it's about reacting to mistakes and also about, yep. um, so quite, um, I would say learning from your mistakes. I would say that's, that's about it.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And, um, I'm sure, I'm sure it's been a, um, incredible six years, lots of ups and downs. When you look back, what, what's been like your proudest moment so far as a founder?
1: Um, yeah, the proudest moment, uh, um to be honest uh, the proudest moment has been um it ha- the journey has been difficult sometimes i mean not difficult as like difficult of like uh i mean learning is not easy and changing is not easy and also not everybody is your friend so uh, sometimes it has been the moments that i thought okay, i just want to leave uh, uh, this is not for me i just want to leave and uh, and it has happened that I came to the last point, but I didn't say it. The two reasons. First, the reason was uh, the environment I've created at the Airman chain is very inclusive, and uh, the no hierarchy. everybody hear each other and all of that. This is not something that i that I, I believe it's available everywhere, and uh, that kind of like environment that is relaxed, people enjoy their job. They are coming with with excitement and all of that that was the one thing which I could see okay, people are seeing themselves grow each, grow here and it's look uh, and i i have all i always wanted to create a quite football academic ver- academy version for my own company, meaning that people come to my company and then they learn new skills which they haven't learned anywhere else, and they are very much valuable uh-huh. now, so they come with like lower value, but they go out with higher value. So it's kind of like that type of thing. It's that one thing. And the other thing is the type of customers um, that came, up, came to us. So I always wanted the, what we do to be received to the ones that they needed the most, not uh, to the ones that they afforded. Uh, and they can kind of like just have it as, yeah, a, yeah. as something to have, as, as something nice to have. And uh, that uh, quite like working with local authorities, working with housing associations, tenants, and the impact you have on the lives, schools, the impact you can see, the kind of like indirect impact of what you are doing on people's lives is quite, uh, for me, is is very rewarding,
0: very, very rewarding. Yeah, I think that's the most powerful motivator. Like I obviously have the privilege of interviewing lots of kind of impact founders and normally when I chat to them about their motivators or what keeps them there, um, it's always the same thing. It's like the the real life impact they see on the people using their products or service. Um, and yeah, I hadn't quite clocked it, but I like know you said it, obviously you mentioned it, like you're working with housing associations, schools, farmers, these are people that normally have limited funds. They're really feeling the crunch right now with like cost of living and inflation. So the fact that you're actually able to help them with something like a, a thing they need to use every day, that's, that's like a really powerful, powerful thing. Um, you kind of started to talk about the culture that you've you've, you've developed at Urban Chain, which sounds like an incredible place to work, like flat structure. Everyone has a say. Um, I love the fact you focus on like um, the increase in value for each individual that joins the business. Um you also mentioned you're doing a fair bit of hiring at the moment. You've got some open positions. What, what's like? What, what have you learned from that experience? And just in general, like, what's key to attracting great people into the business? What do you need to get right as a startup to attract these wonderful people?
1: Yeah. So I think the the inter, I mean, many of the candidates that we see, interestingly, the candidates' interest is now on the vision of the company and the opportunity to grow. Uh, again, the environment that we have created. The inclusive environment, uh, exactly as we have created. And this, and the third one is, um, uh, is, I think, uh, is the, uh, I would say that do something for good. So they're not, they're not interested to work for mm-hmm. oil and gas company anymore. They want to, in, to be part of something good. And we, I believe, um, I understand that there's an equal opportunity for everybody, uh, for, for, for any jobs, but there is still some, some discrimination sometimes when it comes to your um, some attitudes or something like that there are some unfortunately that we have seen of, and and I'm very pleased that saying this is not something that people apply to us see or feel or anything like that which is which is great so for example we don't we don't discriminate because you are pregnant we had we had we we we've we kind of like um hired somebody who was already pregnant we knew that uh, we don't discriminate because of your, for example, your hair color is different than the others, or you have tattoos, or you have something. We don't discriminate about that. We don't mind, or your beliefs, or your, or the one that you, the, the thing that you want to practice, or anything like that. We don't, we don't care. It's just about, uh, or, or the type of, or what they say. I mean, the language or. Their accent or anything like that. There's no discrimination there, in, in a sense, or, or to, to choose to choose quite right between them. It's all about what we are looking for. A candidate instead is that to have the thinking thinking out of box. That's the thing that we look at, uh, and have um, feeling responsible for what they do, and te- and accept the risks and manage the risks, as they take the job. So these are the th- three things that we are looking for, a job. and also we are not looking for somebody who is just, for example, we don't, we are not looking for a specific talent or anything. That those three ones are the main ones for you to succeed. The other things you will learn in in the company.
0: No, I, well, I think you've absolutely nailed it. <laughs> Considering that you said that you had to learn a lot, I think you've got a very natural style of, of leadership and like how to build a, a team and a, a great culture. Like you need to have it—an uh, inclusive, inclusive culture—and I think that scene, like when I looked at your team, it was a very diverse set of people. It looked like um, that you've attracted, and, and that runs through like how you run your interview process, that the policies you have in place, the benefits you offer. Um, how you conduct your interviews, et cetera. So it sounds like you've nailed it. Um, next Thank thing you. I was going to ask was, um, <laughs> um, you know, six years in, you've achieved an incredible lot as a team and as a business, um, but it's still a relatively small team. and You said it was like 10 people earlier. Is, is that just your mm-hmm. philosophy of how a company should be built, keep it very small, keep it very flat, and just hire very, like, yes. high-achieving individuals? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah
1: um no it wouldn't be kind like because we don't want to employ people we don't want to employ people for just for the sake of employment we don't want to kind of like something that is can be happening automated we don't want to employ people for that we want to we we prefer to tra- we prefer to make indirect jobs than direct jobs so f- well, how this is working is that for example we give funding to people who are installing solar and training for installing solar, for uh, to go and install solar for households. And we give them the project, saying, okay, here you go. You go to the project, you install solar, and this is the kind of like, you you set up your own income through the solar, like source, all of those things. Here there's money, uh, loan money here to do. You do that, and then you have created your own job. As, as, as a colleague like independent job owner, uh, we create that. We create a job for, I mean, we don't want to hold the customer service. So, for example, housing association group is, uh, is doing its own customer service, meaning they're responding to queries of tenants themselves. They know the tenants better than us. So they can speak to the tenants better than us. So what happened there? But we, we, for example, pay the, pay the household, pay the housing association more for the, for the service that they are providing to us. So that type of thing. So we create indirect jobs much more than direct jobs. And the reason, well, we are a technology company. It's not, it's not, um, it's not, I would say, um, quite in line with our, with our ethos to have like hundreds of people checking bills. I don't think so or having hundreds of people mm-hmm. doing like data data collection or something like that so that's 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 the reason for having quite like neat neat uh, group having said that um uh, well another thing about us maybe not getting that much big was we found not everybody could match despite of all the impacts that we want to create not everybody think about think the same way and it's not that, okay, there are hundreds of these people thinking like the same out there that we wanted to a- attract to ourselves. Right. So that kind of like, and then earlier stages of the also startup is not that you are quite like have lots of money to spend, spend like to anybody. So you need to have that people who are thinking future in for, for future gain. At the same time, they are talented to join the team and that. Quite made us quite be selective in terms of like growth, but um, but now I mean as 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 more and more money comes to the business, definitely more and more job opportunities come to business. Yeah. Um, and then um, as I said, indirect jobs. So w- once we we calculated, I mean, for each let's say three hundred gigawatt hour volume, which is very small, very small. Um, you can. We can cal- we can create about two thousand jobs for the co- with the concept of local energy market. So these jobs are customers mm-hmm. from from as customer service comes, starting installation of batteries, installation of solar uh, meter meter, quite like reading, uh, very quite like simple jobs. Still like um, consultancy services, uh, quite like asset management, finance. The the type of jobs that we can create is quite significant, so we can do that. But th- then the question of like coming about the security of those jobs, this is very interesting point, but we haven't had a chance to have a look at those. Like how we can provide security for indirect indirect jobs. It's not just that we don't want to. Be like outside people. We want to be with people, but can we provide security for indirect jobs too? So people don't be out- outsider, be part of us.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I I really like the the focus on indirect jobs. Um I, I think you're the first person I've interviewed that's mentioned that, but also just like the very disciplined approach of like this is what we are, this is what we do, we're gonna stick to that. Cause I think too often I speak to founders that do get distracted by a, a possible new revenue channel or they've had a big funding round they they start throwing like headcount at problems they don't need to. I'd much rather be the lean company that has a very specific focus and and stay in that niche and just do that really well than trying to do too much. Well, um, it's my it's been such a pleasure having the show and I've learned an absolute ton. So thank you. Um, for anyone either wanting to follow Urban Chain or apply to any of the positions that you have open, like where's best to check out Urban Chain? If that's on socials or your website.
1: Yeah, that's right. A website, urbanchain.co.uk. We are on LinkedIn. We are on Twitter. Just email us. Um, I mean, the uh, general email, hello at airbanchain.co.uk is, is one. Um, we have uh, also, you can quite uh, like contact us through the, uh, through the dashboard that we have or website. Uh, you can contact us there, go there and message us there. You can call us. Uh, 161 307 and we are very keen to speak with anybody who's interested in joining us to be customer of us helping us all the kind of jobs that you think about and always looking for new opportunities so definitely definitely very keen to speak to anybody thank you very much for having me by the way
0: no no it's been an absolute pleasure thanks again for coming to the show well um take care and i uh, wish you all the best
1: thank you thank you very much speak soon
0: that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe and leave a review. Better yet, tell a friend about the show. The more people we can get involved, the more hope we have for making the world a better place. This episode was brought to you by Craig Turner, produced by Jabril Al Sahimi, and sponsored by Jobs for Good. Until next time.